Look at that. It said Murder My Sweet. Oh, you did it correctly. You did the title card right. I changed things because we uh, we were we were rocketing towards disaster. It wasn't working, and we did, fixed it. We, oh we, yeah, we, fantastic! We pulled this one out. That's we great. We ourselves and our viewers. Um, we're gonna have a hell of a conversation about that. We're, yes, we are. We're gonna have a big conversation about that. But but before we even get to that, I want to talk about how I I was taken to school this week by you. I got taken to school. Oh, I'd love to hear this. Well, you know, I uh, we were talking about the show. For those of you who are watching or listening, my brother Anthony and I were talking about the show or something, and and he said something to me about like, well, you know, when you listen back to it, and I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, when you listen back to the show and you start thinking about this, and I said, what are you talking about? And Tony said to me, you you don't listen to the show? I'm like, no, I've got things to do with my life. <laughs> no, I said the show. I don't have to listen to it. I, I had to live through it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be there while it was happening. Yeah. Why would yeah. I listen back to it? And you you educated me, and I, I listened to the show. And... Uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, but uh, I I laughed. I thought it was kind of funny. It's a funny show. I like to listen to it. I'm glad that yeah. uh, that you know now there are two downloads yeah, for the yeah, show. Yeah. That's the big thing about it. Is yeah. I think if you listen to it and I listen to it, we we almost double our our audience right away immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's going to have uh, the a, impact on our stats. It's a win win. Um. Yeah. So I okay. I'm perfectly ready, you know, in the middle of the show, if you just want to have a little break and give me notes and, you know, <laughs> criticize what I'm doing and work it out, that's fine. You know, no, I think you're really, you're really good at this. You know what you're doing. I'm going to pay more attention to what you do now. <laughs> <laughs> Disaster ahead. If I can learn something. Disaster ahead. Yeah. Stick to your guns. Um, Stick to the, we each have our own superpower and we'll bring that as we have my superpowers unfortunately are all off the air um okay but, but, but think we can discuss them though my superpower apparently is not picking the next movie we're going to watch and sort you know no and and maybe not listening to you when you say i don't know i'm, I'm kind of scared i'm a little i'm a little frightened about this but before we get into all of that okay how was your week and also i have a little bone to pick with you Great. Uh, I can't wait. Let's yeah. start with the let's start yeah. with the uh, with the good news. Then yeah. the week was fine. <laughs> um, I uh, I I'm kind of starting uh, work. I uh, I I'm I'm an adjunct professor, as you know, at a at a, at a school here in the city. Yes, uh, an acting academy, and um, I, I don't, I won't, I'm proud to work there. I'm just not saying it because I don't want to get into legal trouble for any reason of any kind. You can talk about what you're doing. This is your lab. Can you to... name your school on the, on the, yeah, I, I teach at Chapman Dodge College of Film and Media. Okay. At Chapman it's University. just when I, when I say Princeton, it sounds really highfalutin. And but I, I, I don't, but I do have to make clear that the, the views expressed on this show are not those of Chapman University nor mm. are they endorsed by Chapman University. When I'm speaking on this show, I'm speaking only yes. as some schmuck who did some movies and TV right. shows. Okay. Uh yeah. So I, I'm I'm an adjunct professor at Pace University 
and that's a wonderful school and we've had a really crazy year as you have at your school with teaching online and learning how to do that and trying to keep classes act teaching acting online it's a crazy thing so yeah amelia and i both uh teach there part-time and and um and i'm gearing up but my my part of it is comes this time of year and i'm just really busy with video and rehearsals and stuff so it's yeah. been a good I, week but busy i really don't know how you do it because i um i do not teach acting at the university you know i teach film production and some film theory storytelling yeah theory type classes and uh my classes aren't they're the content and presentation isn't any different online than it is in person i'm giving right information and showing film clips and we're talking about them and we're going over the drafts of their scripts and there's more of a syllabus probably that's easier to follow and makes sense yeah. because yeah. acting is doesn't make sense you can't really no you have to be yeah. in the acting is and the only acting teaching i do now is an online class in how to self-tape right which is you know perfect for online it's like made for online yeah and there's been a big boom in that whole industry and and yeah. thing in this year of course too but it's, you know people have contacted me are you teaching any scene study classes and online where people can't be in the same room or touch each other or yeah kiss or slap or poke you can't slap each other in the real in the show either really so that's similar no, to professional talking about me my students generally i <laughs> they say slap, you. slap me <laughs> well that's totally acceptable yeah that happens <laughs> um yeah I, I yeah it's weird it's like uh i think you have to break i think we've broken it down in some components so so you know what uh what might have been um the scene study and working on the scene we would we do that and it, granted amelia it really is the acting teacher here I, I i work there directing scenes and videos and stuff for uh for their video shoots but you know when i listen to amelia teach and when we have taught together there it's more about um just analysis like deepening your your text like deepening and then applying what you learn in text analysis and learning what you learn about the character through dialogue and then and then this the beginnings of how to build that into character but that's kind of where it has to stop because you can't really get to performance i right. mean it's just yeah you're you're in your uh you're in your den no matter what is happening no you're in your den yeah. in in fleece pants probably yeah and that's not you, good for character you can work on the opening scene from source code between jake gyllenhaal and um uh ver not for gar ver uh, Vera Vera farmiga yeah, yeah farmiga. right that's all on that scene because that entire scene takes place like this talking <laughs> yeah you could do that yeah, yeah. what other things you could do you you could do the scene with the little girl in 2001 with cuber's yeah. daughter right yeah um that would be a good acting scene um yeah and then um you know that tom hardy movie he did alone in a car yeah and any any scene in a movie where people are on, you could do uh, uh, Henry Fonda and the Russian premiere on the phone in failsafe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just in my car. He's yeah. in. Yes, he's having this conversation in his car. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the bone picking. Um, Fantastic. So yeah okay. oh yeah. I, I was gonna i was gonna try to trick you into into not, into uh, not picking, picking the bone, bone with you? okay go ahead it's the bone i want to pick with you were it not for mom's 
problem using uh, her podcast app, I would not know your brother who is interested in the, your work and the stuff you got going on. Yeah. I would not know about this thing that you have going on with Playwright oh, oh, Horizon, oh. in which apparently there's some singing and stuff happening. Um, yes. And I think you need to tell the people about it. I'd love to. I'd and love you. to. Um, okay. Well, I think I mentioned this, but it was like a bit ago and, and it was, uh, during dark COVID times when I, when I recorded the show right? and things like this weren't of a lot of interest to anybody. It was just right. like, Oh, you did a thing. Okay, great. Are you alive? Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, and then it took them a long time to do post-production on it. So, you know, I kind of, I just been busy doing other things and then surprised, kind of got surprised by the launch date of it. So what, what it is, is, um, is, uh, my, my really dear friend, uh, Trish Harnato, um, who's, uh, who's, a a, a collaborator on a bunch of things, um, including the, the, the Sundance short the thing that, that you did that went to Sundance, which that, Busier during COVID than, uh, you know, she, she, I've been really, I've been lucky and, and she's just really, really great. She wrote this play before COVID happened. Um, and they were going to do a production of it. They had workshopped it and everything. And then, you know, COVID and they couldn't do it. And so instead of just sitting around, she and, and, um, and her team d created a, a, a radio theater version of it that wow. it could record on now and playwrights horizons loved the love the pilot and they produced it and are and are like legit putting it out as like their feet as theater and it is it's a theater piece it's really cool and um there is there is there is some musical things in it there are many surprises it is crazy and surreal and and one of the most fun things I've I've ever done. It's just a blast. Does it have an actual name so that if somebody were looking for it after hearing you talk about it, they could It does. It's called the MS Phoenix Rising. And um and it's, it's uh, Playwrights Horizon, which for people who are listening who may not know, Playwrights Horizon is a big deal in theater in New York. They are. They are. Uh, you can find them um, on like I'm, I'm really on, on only on Instagram and you can find them at PHNYC, Playwrights Horizons NYC. Um, and the links to where to listen to the show for free are <clears throat> on there. You can find them there um, or you can probably at this point just Google the MX Phoenix Rising <clears throat> And uh, it might come up, but anyway, um, That's great. And then you no. can Venmo me the twenty bucks you said you'd give me for bringing all of you. That's <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And then I'll then I'll hit up uh, Trish and Jacob yeah. because uh, yeah. they they owe me for this. So it's it's a chain. Okay. Um. That's um. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. And and uh, I'm 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 excited. It's a six parter, so you know it's like a very. Oh, well, I, I don't have that much time. I you do. You have oh, time I'm, to watch. No, no, because I have 30 episodes of this show I have to listen to apparently now. I, you got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's our show for the week. Um, Excellent. Thank you for coming, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. I guess we have, we have a movie. Uh, 
unless there's anything else we have to cover. No, no, I don't think so. How about you? I mean, is there anything anything notable this week that you want to no. promote or no. sing about or dance about? No, no. Okay. I uh, I do, but if, so I think it's time to to talk about a movie that we are not going to talk about. <laughs> we are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about so many things well, tonight. With the movie that we are going that we're not going to talk about. We're only going to not talk about the first like 20, 30 minutes of it because that's all I could sit through before I I texted Tony and I said, uh, I said, have you watched Farewell, My Lovely yet? And he texted me back, no, why? And I texted him, we got to talk. <laughs> a serious surgery yeah, happened. It was a bad. Yeah. Well, okay. So. We had planned to do this is our final noir <clears throat> out of the noir series we've done. We've done like four or five noir movies, and this is our was gonna be our final one. And we were gonna end with excuse me, Farewell, My Lovely, which neither of us had seen and is a noir movie that was made in the 70s, <clears throat> but it star starring Robert Mitchum. I did see it when it came out. Okay. Oh, cool. But well, I'd never I'd never seen it. I didn't know anything. I didn't I didn't know that. Um but you know, so it's got Robert Mitchum in it. Who, for those, and if anyone's listening and doesn't know a lot about noir, Robert Mitchum is kind of synonymous with noir. Like as an actor, he embodies noir almost more than any actor. So, having him play Philip Marlowe in this movie was was an exciting idea, and we thought we'd see it. But I had never heard much about it. We took the gamble, and then we switched up because Matthew didn't like the movie what he'd seen, and we switched it up to Murder My Sweet which is in fact the same story it's based on the same same book. book and is the same plot exactly the same characters more or less yep and um we covered that movie instead but what ended up happening was matthew saw farewell my lovely i saw murder my sweet we both saw that then i got curious and i watched farewell my lovely and then we both watched at least some of the big sleep i watched the whole big sleep today i so watched I didn't have time for the whole thing, but I've seen it you many, many times. All of Farewell, My Lovely. Almost all of it. Yeah. I, 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 I it was like late at like 2.30 in the morning when I passed out. I only watched some of it, uh, but I watched all of The Big Sleep. Um, Why? I got to ask you. What, I mean, I had I, I had a different experience with Farewell, My Lovely than you. And I need really? to know, I need to know why you had such a violent reaction to it. Oh, really? Because so you didn't, you didn't hate it. I could have hung, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back and finish it. And I found it completely fascinating. And, and some of it I really liked. I wanted to <laughs> kill myself and then them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is extremely strong extremely strong i i i thought um i, I hated thought... the way it looked from from the first shot i hated the way it looked i felt like robert mitchum was sleepwalking through the movie um i when you hold up the the one of these moose is not like the other I'll I'll give you that. You know, the moose in in Murder My Sweet, I thought I thought that guy was spectacular. 
my heart went out to him. I believed him. Yeah, but we're not at, we're not at Murder My Sweet yet, are we? We're talking no, about okay, why you stopped watching Farewell, Farewell My Lovely. Farewell My Lovely. Because you weren't comparing it to Murder My Sweet at that point. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Why did I hate it so much? Um, I just, I didn't buy any of it. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't you just, buy any you hated of it. it. You just hated it. I, I it, just, it made you mad. <laughs> you it made it. me mad. I thought they 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 didn't they they neither embraced the old style nor made it something newer. I didn't, you know, I felt like it was caught in this in between world. Um, the scene with Sylvia Miles I thought was painful and embarrassing. Um, and, uh, I, I hated the way Los Angeles looked in it. I didn't feel like they, they created a real authentic look of any kind for the city, for the, 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 the darkness and the grime. And then the the um oh I, I i don't even know what to say I'm, i felt i felt if if there is an aspect and we'll get into this if there's an aspect to the character of marlo as a uh that you know because there's a lot of interesting writing about the character of marlo and existentialism uh and that detective uh, so if the purpose then of this movie was to make me personally experience existential dread, it succeeded on that level. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow. I mean, we've never like switched before. We've done 35 movies and we've never been like, yeah, can't do it. I got to switch it up. This is the first time that's happened. It's never. Yeah, this has not happened before. Um, and I, no. I, I didn't. Uh, the thing about Marlo is that I feel like he's. Uh, how to say this? I, I feel like, you know, you know, he is this existential guy moving through the world on whatever mission he's on to find meaning and order in this meaningless disordered universe and city that he lives in. Um, so along with his sort of uh, ennui and, and bitterness, there's also some kind of verve and drive. And I just felt like, like uh, Mitchum was asleep. Like he'd just gotten woken up from a nap and had to do a scene. Arguably, that's Mitchum's thing. <laughs> I mean, that's like kind of his. In my vibe. mind then just says that he was badly, badly miscast in this. Because Boy, okay, because if you look at you know, I well, we haven't gotten to it yet, but when we get to what both Bogey and and Powell did with this role, I yeah, I, we're gonna well, we will talk about that. Oh, because okay. we will talk about that, particularly the latter, Powell, uh, who yeah. you did not like. I'm, I'm gathering. 
I enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, for me, <laughs> here we uh, go. I could flip our feelings almost about that character completely. What one of the? I mean, look, we. I know we're not really. We're we're going to talk a little bit about Farewell, My Lovely, because we both saw it, and that was a thing. And I saw but, thirty minutes of it. But um, well, then you saw it. It's not like you're gonna. Although, did you miss Charlotte Rampling? No, I did hear actually one of my one of my favorite lines. Uh, I turned it off right after one of my favorite lines. Um, if which was uh, when he uh, mentions about uh, her legs how how great her legs are or something like that and she says yeah these damn things are always up around your neck <laughs> it's like whoa yeah okay um yeah. and maybe i've just been in quarantine for too long but that was when <laughs> i turned it off um i like i like her so it was cool to see her and see her very young and so she was so fascinating yeah. looking um I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I kind of liked. Um, he was also so much older than her that it 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 skeeved me out. Although Bogey is that much older than yeah. McCall. I think you know. Look, I mean, we're talking about Robert Mitchum. So Robert Mitchum is he's eighty seven when he was thirty two. Yeah, and um, he's also got a kind of sex appeal that I I think I'd. I agree with you, but I I might there there are women out there who might be like even when he was seventy five that guy was amazing and he was I mean he had an enormous amount of appeal to to a certain kind of person. I okay, would for those who were on the podcast and not the YouTube, uh, when Tony said something about Robert Mitchum having a certain kind of sex appeal, there was an expression on my face that I will try and create a photograph of and put up on the website. Have, have, when, when, when was the last time you saw a picture of Robert Mitchum when he was like 30? No, when he was young, he would, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll I mean, there, I, he was like, it was like if Cary Grant went to the Marine Corps and came yeah. out the other side, <laughs> that's what you'd get. He's, he's amazing, <laughs> gorgeous, fantastic movie star. And I think he embodied, um, for me, he embodies noir arguably more and better than than Bogart did. Although I I'm a freaking Bogart nut too, but Bogart was a lot of other things. And and I guess this comes into a weird conversation because I feel like I don't know. It's like I know there may be textbook definitions of these things, but for me, Marlowe doesn't really feel like a noir character. And I I'm 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 my noir stuff that I like in noir is much more dark and bent and twisted than, than, than the Marlowe stuff. Marlowe is, is a gunslinger. He's a hero. He is, he is, he's like, you know, a knight uh, errant or a Ronin, you know, like he's, 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 he's someone to aspire to, to be. And that's a quality that I find that that's my favorite noir doesn't have doesn't have anybody in it like that you know what i mean my favorite noir is about people that think they're that but aren't and just make 
terrible choices and that that everybody's compromised and everybody's awful i those are the noirs that i that i find to be most interesting and he's so kind of like um he doesn't have a really deep psychological component to him i mean compared to um some other characters but maybe it's maybe all those detectives are kind of blank slates like that but um I don't know. I guess it's partly that he used to work for the DA's office and has this, it's like his, he has, he, he's a very idealistic somewhere and bitter about how it didn't go, but he's still idealistic. You know, it's just not very noir. Um, yeah, except he will, he will take money from anybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, he takes money from, from, uh, from Florian, not from Florian. Who, do, who does he take money from? He takes money from, uh, um, oh, what are the names? Of the, he takes money from Moose, then he takes money from sure. Marriott, then he takes yeah. money from Grail. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'll work for this guy, and I'll work for this guy. And he'll be your muscle if you want to hire him to be muscle. He'll do that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's and he's, he'll also, he's also ultimately only working for himself. Sure, but that's also Ronan. That's also yeah. Gunslinger. That's that's yeah. just code, you know. And I, 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 I'm just talking about flavors so, of noir. noir. Is there's no code in noir? The in, there's different flavors, I guess. But the one that I like doesn't really have is about moral decay to the point where it's like it. it it's just a like the where characters have really deep psychological problems and they make really <laughs> bad choices based on really like awful you know obsessions or things like that Th those movies fascinate me because i love the high melodrama of them i do i really do okay. but you see i mean but you see how for me one of the things i love about and 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 bringing it back to to powell bogey versus um mitchum mm -hmm. is not to not to bring it up but i'm going to my my novel that zach brandis is a descendant you're, you're... of powell and and bogey he's a descendant mm -hmm. of marlo in that yeah. he he's willing to break the law but not the code um, um yes absolutely and i can see that and that's um the tradition is is fantastic and it's to me like the de delineation between detective thriller right and what i would call noir because it, it, but it, but it's it's just a distinction anyway my whole point behind all this and we'll talk about more about your book because no, i think it it will tie into this but the hero that that Mitchum is in his movies smells a lot more like the kind of noir I like. And so him in this character, I what I, I like to it was like a deconstruction of all of it. It was like you've seen the the glamorized version, you've seen the old Hollywood version that's very romanticized. Right. Right. But to see a Marlowe who's the same guy who's just at the end of his life, who's whose office is really crappy. And it's really dingy, and it's kind of like it—it's—it's it, it's sad. It, it's maudlin and sad, but it kind of—it made his—it's made his desperation to keep going and doing what he had to do to pay rent and survive all the more <clears throat> palpable. 
So like I, I excuse, I, you know, I started to, I started to feel like the movie was more about the dying co like that, the, that he's the last of his breed. And it's about like the last guy, the holdout. And it's, it's more of a deconstruction of it. So it doesn't give you the things that you like about those movies at right. all, but it, but I kind of like that part of it. Not saying it's a really well-made movie. <laughs> I get you on that. I okay. get you on that. Um, Okay. So you're telling me that you yeah. would rather see a Philip Marlowe that looks like he's really about ready to do a song and dance number at any time. It was just at any was, drop of a hat. I did not feel that way about him. I was like, before I okay. knew the story, just because let's yeah. <laughs> just because, just because uh, Dick Powell was in um, Ants in His Pants of 1934 <laughs> and Hey Hey in the Hayloft. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, he wasn't. He wasn't in With the, a little sex. <laughs> With a little, With a little sex. sex in it. Um, he was in, uh, I have it written down here somewhere. Uh, yes, he was in Gold Diggers of 1933. He was in Gold Diggers of 1935. He was in Gold Diggers from 1937. <laughs> he was in Christmas in July, directed by one of our favorite directors, Preston Sturgis. Yeah. Hence the jokes about Hey Hey in the Hayloft and, yes. and Ants in His Pants yes. from 1932 or whatever it was, which are references to Sturgis' uh, movie uh, Sullivan's Travels. Um he was also married to June Allison and Joan Blondell. Mm. He had kind of a real Hollywood life and then went on to produce the Dick Powell Playhouse or Dick yeah. Powell Theater on television. And all of these people who were in these movies were then later on the Dick Powell Playhouse and in his, I, you know, in his stuff. Yes. I had this, became a producer, had an amazing Don't, won't argue career. any of it with you at all. I, <laughs> I, I think it's an extraordinary <laughs> move for his agents. I think his agents are incredible. <laughs> To have fought this hard to get him to play Marlowe. Now, actually, it was him. I mean, you know what is interesting, and I'll, as a as a person, he's a, he's incredible because he was a song and dance guy. Yeah, pretty much exclusively had never done straight drama, and then got sick of it. He was like, I want to do real. I want to play I wanna, a tough guy. I want to play a tough guy. I want to be in a drama, and so they tried to get him. He lost out on one movie to Fred McMurray. Oh, for for double indemnity. For double indemnity. And he was really bummed about it. And they regrouped and they said, "Well, what if you can? What if you want to play Philip Marlowe?" Right. And he said, "I'll do it." And Edward Dimitrik, who directed Murder My Sweet, was apparently just really upset when he right. heard about. But you this. know who wasn't? I don't. Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler, well, when he saw the movie, he wasn't. But, you know, composers shouldn't conduct their own symphonies and <laughs> oh, maybe writers wow. should just write their books because wow. listen, and stay out of it. Here he I, and I I he won me over in a way because I was like at first, who wait, I've always heard of Dick Powell. Who who's Dick who is he as an actor? Because I don't yeah. watch these musicals. So he shows and up. Now you want to see the musicals. I'd like to see what he can do. <laughs> I was like, 
there's two cardinal rules to me for 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 Philip Marlowe or for the noir detective. Number one, you have to believe that they saw combat. They had to have been in a in a war of some kind. I believe that he saw combat. I I but I believe that he saw combat the way that Harold Ramis might have seen combat in Stripes. When Harold Ramis said, if we ever see any real action, I'm going to be right behind you guys every step of the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, so no, it's a kind I, of, a, I, I hear you on that. And, and, and the other thing was that I was like, this is the last stop for Philip Marlowe. Right. He, he tried the DA's office, right? He did running guns yeah, or running insubordination. He's yeah. done a lot of stuff. And yeah. now here he is without a lot of money in LA. And this is kind of like, he doesn't have any other ideas. This is like it. And I think that a, a casting a guy that looks like if it doesn't work here, I'll just go to, I'll just go to MGM and see if they need any dances. I'll be in gold diggers. If It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm not going to sweat getting smashed around the face and neck. I'm just going to dance. <laughs> I'll tell you, he takes a beating in this movie. He does take a beating, man. Wow. Yeah. He, he, um, three blackouts. Three black. Well, yeah. Yeah. The, the last one is just because of powder burns to his eyes, which I would imagine hurts a lot. Yeah. But the, the, the iris goes down and it's also yeah. like he says he spiraled no, he out into darkness. Spiraled out into darkness. Yeah. Um, had you uh, seen this before? I had not seen this before. I had not seen him. I had not seen Hey Hey in the Hayloft. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about him at all. And I felt like I was seven years old and just discovered Baskin Robbins. So he's your favorite flavor now. Yeah. Well, just because, you know, I, I love to enter a world of just, I don't like this world very much that we live in. So when I can, when I can see a movie that takes me into like, Oh, there's a world where I understand these new rules. It makes me very happy. Okay. I, you know, he's a very positive, he's kind of like a, um, a throwback almost to like, uh, a William Powell kind of detective. He's got yeah. something very kind of like wry about him where the Marlowe that you're used to anyway from Bogey. Yeah. Is he's, he's not really wry. He's pretty abrasive and he's pretty like blunt and he's, well, he's got witty things to say, but, but he kind of says them like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, but what surprised me watching, um, watching um the big sleep right after watching this was i didn't really remember the big sleep very well when i was watching this and i thought boy marlo bogey's marlo is as far away from this marlo as you could possibly get and then when i watched the big sleep i was like it's he's not that far away i felt no. like the, the distance was more in in one thing that you just said is that the, the big difference between these two Marlowe's I felt was not so much in the way the two actors were playing them as that. I believe that bogey saw combat and I don't believe that Powell saw combat. Yeah. But I felt like 
I felt like you could have given, these could have been two actors who were given the same direction and trying to play the same guy, but one of them had been in combat and one of them, that was the, because Bogey has that scene in the big sleep where he goes into the, into the, the the bookstore. Oh, it's hysterical. Yeah. It's it's suddenly you're in a different movie. Yeah. It's a very light movie in a lot of ways, big sleep, but, but, you know, I mean, central to it is this weird perversion of like, underground pornography which at the time was really scandalous i guess yeah you know and uh and so that gives it that kind of morbid thing which i love about it you know um but it's true that you know what did what did what did marlo do for the da before he like before the movies about him started what was his job at the da was he an investigator he's an investigator because the the da's have their own um detectives who go off and and check things like i need this right right but i guess i mean my question was the way that dick powell was the is the kind of guy uh who i thought might have been a lawyer before this you know what i mean but i mean that i don't mean that in a negative way i mean it's almost like a choice but it's like you could have a you could say i'm a detective i used to work for the for the da's office right and a certain kind of guy you'd be like oh were you a like on the law side of stuff Whereas Bogey That's clearly was a... so handsome, and you think of all people who used to be lawyers as incredibly good-looking guys. Um, I don't want to talk about looks <laughs> anymore. How men look anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> After talking about how attractive, Robert I would Mitchum completely was. sleep with Robert Mitchum <laughs> over this guy. <laughs> okay well um there we go but uh yeah i mean i i, I mean and it is a it's just a style it's a it's a flavor i was surprised by it because his energy dick powell's energy is like clearly his training is you know like hey let's go da- like dancing singing like mc everything's great H- he was born with a martini in his hand this guy you know and I uh, I was just surprised and 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 then after I read up about it and heard he f- like fought to do it and it was his first dramatic role. Good for you, you know. Oh, so you're finally giving him some props. I'm I am I'm yes. Okay. I didn't mean to be completely negative. I'm just saying that you came out swinging on Robert Mitchum. And I love Panthers. Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Okay. I love Robert Mitchum too. I have loved him. Uh, in, yeah. In Is it Rio Lobo or Rio Bravo that he's, which one of those? Uh, he's in uh, Lobo. Lobo. Love, love him in that. Great. It's role. not Rio Bravo. I know that. Um, Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Um, Farewell, my lovely wonderful he's won a lot of wonderful things um what about what about, like edward dimitrick have you seen other edward dimitrick movies uh, i just like saying dimitrick you like saying dimitrick uh yes back to batan right yeah he made a lot of movies not a bajillion movies that i like left hand of god was a big one right. with bogey well, and then he um, had a bad blacklisting. Bad. Well, he's he's got a there's a you know it, it needs to be said he did not uh, he's a lot of people he made a lot of enemies. Yeah, 
made a lot of enemies. Um, what's weird is that he 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 actually went to prison, right? Yep, and then talked. And then talked. It's like you're already there, man. Just hold out. Yeah. You're not gonna work anyway, obviously. And he done right. like, mm. Yeah. Anyway, so, that was that was that's too bad. So um, I didn't, you know. Uh well, I want to give a uh well one thing I want to note is um last week in Woman on the Run, we spoke quite a bit about Joan Shawnley. Yes. So before we completely leave, farewell, my lovely. Do you remember in the early scene when he picks when he finds the the young girl he's looking for at the beginning of Farewell My Lovely before he meets Moose? Uh, in the dance hall, do you remember mm -hmm. the the blonde that he's the the big blonde who he's dancing with in the dance hall? Yeah, Joan Shawnley. That's Joan Shawnley. Again, who played, uh, back back, who played a very drunk, drunk lady blonde. at a bar? Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So that's that nuts that she, she was doing noir movies in California for thirty years, forty years, and then we have uh, we have both of us uh one degree of separation from somebody in a very small role in murder my sweet hmm did you did anybody pop up at you uh, pop out at you i'm embarrassed um, to say that they didn't uh, the elevator operator in murder my sweet was shimin ruskin who was in Enter Laughing with Mom and Dad. In Get out of here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. Look at this guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very unpopular mustache choice for him in this photograph. <laughs> However. However. Yeah, the toothbrush mustache. The toothbrush, yeah. Not a thing you but, should uh, do. Yeah, Shimon Ruskin. And I, I, think, I think I met him a couple of times when I was... A wee lad. There you go. Well, I'll tell you who I never met, but I wish I had in this movie is Claire Trevor. Which one was she? Because um, I wish I met Anne Shirley. Okay. Well, you have different reasons for this than I oh, do. Okay. I don't. Oh, I, right. All right. You're you're artist. You're talking art. I'm talking Ooh. about things that are responsible and creative. And okay. Please. Me too. <laughs> I wanted to meet Anne Shirley because this was her last movie and I would have encouraged her to expand on her body of work. She was really good. She's really she was, good and yeah. sad that she, well, I don't think it's that. I think she wanted to quit. I think she had, she didn't want to be an actor anymore. She's done what she does. Yeah. Do. She's, she worked with uh, Dick Powell. Where do you go? <laughs> Where do you go from there? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I've waited for, 30 oh, over man. 30 episodes to you do that. You almost made scotch come out of my nose. Oh, that <laughs> was rough. Oh, oh I'm so proud of tough. myself right now. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, you got me. Um, Claire, uh, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> Claire Trevor uh, was uh, Helen Grail, um, the blonde, oh, the, yeah. more of the femme fatale in this. And, uh, yeah. I just, she's really great. You remember her in Stagecoach? Oh, wow. That's her in Stage. She's the, 
she's the female lead, his love interest in that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't put that together. She's really great. She reminds me. She's got like a little bit of a Judy Holiday thing going on with her. Um, it reminds me a little of Madeline Kahn too. Um, mm -hmm. I love her. Um, it's so funny. The first time we meet her in this movie, I uh, she was sitting in that uh, reading chair, that big wingback chair. Right. And the way she was sitting in the chair, she had a leg folded under her, but I didn't know that. I thought she had one leg. <laughs> I thought she had one leg. Uh, and and what's so strange is that it really you only, you only see one leg and then and she you kind didn't of bring a photograph of this. You didn't clip a photograph. Well, too. now that the podcast is a thing, I <laughs> okay. thought rely less on the visual and describe <laughs> these things. But but um okay. You know, he what's funny about it is that you can't even see in the photograph though because it just looks like she has one leg it's just you don't see the other leg right and she comes in and looks at dick powell and dick powell looks at her and then he kind of looks her up and down and it looks like he's looking at the fact that she only has one leg and then he looks up at her again and he has this kind of strange expression on his face and i thought that this whole thing was setting up that this woman has one leg has one leg and it yeah. and then she just gets up out of her chair and, and the moment was the spell was over the spell was broken <laughs> that was the big dramatic surprise in the movie yeah. too was that she had two legs i was like i thought we were watching a david lynch movie but apparently yeah. not all right okay um so that was funny anyway i i liked her a lot all right um can we talk a little bit about um you know there's a character that shows up the whole thing starts well, the plot starts because this guy Moose, who just got out of prison, wants to find his his old girlfriend who he hasn't spoken to in seven years, and Marlo goes starts trying to look for her and can't find her. And then a whole different plot starts, or what we think is a different plot. At the end of the movie, we find out it's one plot. Um, and what I remember was interesting is we read this book in college in in my critical theory in one of my critical theory classes, and and what was what's fascinating about the book and this is why I brought up existentialism at the beginning of this is that th there's this idea in the book of that it is the act of investigating that creates the thing that is investigated mm. that. You think about the plot in this movie that if Marlowe didn't start looking for the woman, there would be no murders for him to solve. It's a response to him investigating that every, every murder in the whole, the whole plot begins because he's investigating. And so it's right. this idea of that it's almost a Schrodinger's cat uh, type of like the, the not Schrodinger's cat. Um, the cat in the hat. Uh, I, uh, Eisen's, uh, Eisenstein's cat. Eisen <laughs> <laughs> the, the Eisenberg principle, the act of, of investig the act of examining oh, the observer, the, the observer impacts the experiment. The, yes. Yeah. Creates impacts the experiment. And that's very much that's, alive. That's in totally fascinating. That's really cool. Cause it, I was noticing I mean, it's a thing with Marlowe, and it's even a thing in The Big Sleep. But here, it's 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 really present. Where he doesn't really succeed at thing. He he kind of falls falls into stuff. He gets hit yeah. on the head and knocked out three times. <laughs> yeah. Like he and that and that happens. Like it just happens to him. 
as does Zach Brandis in my book, get the crap kicked out. That's right. That's right. It's a classic, classic move. And he he's really behind the curve on this and he's investigating his own he's trying to get himself out of going to jail like because he's they think he the, the cops are after him yeah and so it's it in a weird way is it like you're you're pointing out it kind of is like even chandler was writing a deconstruction of the mythology even then yeah because yeah. what's visually amazing about this movie and and i don't know because I haven't read the book and now I got to, but the fact that it starts, that the movie ends with him after he stumbles through all of this, he's blind. The fact that he's literally got his eyes covered at the end. Yeah. It's visually this incredibly weird thing that the is detective. That in, is that in Farewell, My Lovely, the other one as well? didn't get to the end i fell asleep like 20 minutes i don't remember if it's in the book but one thing i wanted to go is that so this first guy who comes to see marlo is and i love i love that this movie was made in 1944 there's so many things that happen in both this movie and in the big sleep that that watching stuff that back then was so crystal clear without them ever saying it and now we say everything, you know. Yeah, everything. Like, and, and, and yeah, this character Marriott is gay, and the way they drive that home over and over again, without ever saying any, you know, what's the deal? Blackmail, right? Like saying they must be blackmailing you because you're gay. Um, and he says, "Oh, you just want me to go along with you and hold your hand." I take offense, you know. Yeah, well, they um, also talk about, which is an unfortunate way they used to describe uh, gay people as uh, having perfume on. So it would be like. Right, he's got perfume on. Yeah. They say his interest in clothes and jewelry came easy, somebody says about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, and then the way they talk about, about sex in the movies. You know, well, for, for, I love Sylvia Miles, and it's uh, both movies, Sylvia Miles. Mrs. Florian in in both movies has that great line. When I like a guy, the ceiling's the limit. It's just it's so sad. It's so sad. But the uh, um, only his two steps a little stiff. They say about the old guy, yeah, her old husband. Yeah, two steps a little stiff. Um, and and then even something like when she says, "I think I'll put some powder on my nose." Which is a way of saying I have to I have to pee. Mm-hmm. He says you already got powder on your nose, so he's like saying, "Don't don't shine me on. You're going to take a pee." Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's um, and then uh, she was giving me the kind of look which in the book is she gave me a smile. I could feel in my hip pocket. Such a great line. Great line. Um. These damn things said before, these damn things are always up around your neck when she's talking about her legs. Um, in the big sleep, in the scene with um, it, the other bookstore scene. Oh my God. Those two scenes. The, he, with, um, that is oh, the what's cheapest. Her name? I can't, I'm blanking on her name. The cheapest scene in the world. 
and he and it starts raining and he says i got some good rye and she, and he and she says something about go are, you don't want to wait across go out across the street and he says i'd rather get wet in here yeah oh it's God. no it's really like that scene is shameless in terms shameless. of how and then the taxi driver the the woman oh, taxi driver that's amazing says, you know, give me a call you know and yeah. he's day or night and she says night's better i work during yeah. the day Great, great stuff. I mean, and so, I mean, so a carry over into James Bond, uh, yeah. like in no other character in movies, is it just assumed that women that he, any woman that he meets is just going to be totally attracted to this guy. Yeah. It's um, it was, what was really interesting about it to me was that it, that, that bogey got away with that stuff. Cause yeah. Dick Powell is traditionally, I guess, a handsomer guy than bogey is, but bogey just had that grit that, you know, it, it, it was pretty attractive yeah pretty crazy. damn attractive oh those scenes are so funny i love them i love them um who was the woman in the in the bookstore it was um it was a big big famous big big famous person well you want me to look it up here no i'm i'm uh, i'm um because the computer if i turn on the computer dorothy uh, malone it was dorothy malone in that one scene in the bookstore. And that's, that is, that's, a, I, I have to rip that scene for my, my classes. Uh, you know, the, the double entendre and the subtext is just. Um, now, a lot of that has to come from the books because Chan Chandler's stuff was super witty and super funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those quips that he'd have in the in the narrations, those were narrations kind of like his running inner thoughts during the during the books. Right. Yeah. And you know what he said about Hemingway, who I think came like from the same place, the same town or something like that, or this, they, they grew up, they were born and grew up near each other. Oh, really? Oh, I Chandler, know. Chandler said about Hemingway or Marlowe, I think, says about Hemingway, he says something like. Yeah, he's a guy who says the same thing over and over again until you think it's good. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Those fighting yeah, words. I, I read something really interesting about um uh, somebody said something about about um about Chandler where they where when people talk about him being a hack they're they're like no he he was the first one to do it it was the people who came after him and were <laughs> imitating him who were hacked. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i remember being super surprised as a teenager reading the reading i guess big sleep and and just how cool it is yeah St still to this day it still holds up yeah um yeah um okay so you were you're talking about Moose Moose Malloy, who's a great figure, an amazing character. Oh, and so beautifully played by Mike Mazurki, who is a huge. He's one of the largest human beings I've ever you've ever seen in this movie. He's gigantic, and the funny part is, a lot of it's how they shot him because um, he's only two inches taller than than Dick Powell in real life. Wow, and Dick Powell looks dwarf like completely dwarfed by yeah. him so dick powell was like in a trench working throughout all the scenes with him really yeah do you know the trick that they did in the in the first shot where he shows that up? mirror shot that window reflection is so 
cool. You uh, got to set that up for people. It's it's amazing. Okay, uh, P- Powell is in his office at night. It's dark. He is um he is uh looking out his window which is um and there are neon lights outside flashing. Um and he's God, in downtown LA, I'm you're assuming, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. And he um he's he's looking out the window and lights are flashing. And when the lights come on, you see the lights outside the window, and when the lights go off, you see the reflection of the inside of his you don't see anything because his office is dark. And he's just sitting, you see his reflection in the window, and then the lights outside blink on, and you see the neon lights outside. And then the lights go off, and you see his reflection in the window. And then the lights blink on, and then they blink off, and you see this immense man standing behind him. Um, Just huge. And I I have the shot that I can uh, show. Um, And uh, here it is. Um, this phenomenal shot of what appears behind him. And he sees (laughs) that reflection in the window. It's fantastic. But do you know how they did that shot? Um, I read uh, that they had to bring another mirror in. They couldn't use the windows of the set because it just, they couldn't get the scope right. They couldn't get him big enough. So there's just another, there's another just sheet of glass between the desk and the camera mm-hmm. to make the image yeah. that much that And Powell much is pretending to look at it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's not actually seeing a reflection. Yeah. Um, and they also, I read that they constructed the sets with sloping ceilings mm-hmm. so that as he walked towards the camera, he seemed to get bigger. Really, really big. Yeah, they yeah. had to do that stuff. And <laughs> I mean, I think he's a he's six four and he's plenty big as it is. But they just make this guy look unstoppable. And that's the great thing about him. And is he's kind of he's somebody who Marlowe ends up kind of taking a light, weird liking to in this strange mm-hmm. way, and taking or, care or, of, or or like pities him or something. There's something yeah. kind of tragic about the guy, and he. Cause he feels from, I think, cause he's really in love. Like he's actually, he's actually in love with this girl. Yeah. He's dying. He's just dying yeah. to get this girl back. And Marlo, Marlo's also a romantic secretly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, well, you get the feeling. Both of the movies have rom-com endings, you know, which you do. Right. But you get the feeling like he's an, he's a, he's a guy that lost some lost love. Yeah. Marlo. It's never discussed, I think, but you feel like he knows what it is and then it lost out, which yeah. I guess is Bogey's whole vibe, Casablanca on through. Yeah. But um. But anyway, he takes this liking to him and, and Moose is just a force of nature. I mean, he can't be stopped. He'll go into a bar and take out like 20 people just because he's that yeah. she's just that big. Um, yeah. Great character. So I mean, Mike Mazurki, we've seen we've seen him age in movies. You've seen this guy in a million things. You know, I mean, a lot of movies, like some like it hot, Mad Mad World, Donovan's Reef. He's in Dick Tracy. He was working up until 1990. Wow. Um, so great character. Who else did you like? Um, 
Shimon Ruskin as the elevator man. Yeah, the famous the, elevator scene. Yeah, took the whole thing. Uh, I loved the woman who played Mrs. Florian in the second movie. <laughs> She's amazing. She was she was terrific. Yeah, I loved Anne Shirley. Um, I I loved um, Dorothy Malone was spectacular um and the the fella who played grail great kind of broke my he's, heart he's wonderful he that monologue about loving his wife and and being too old and uh, uh, that is a that's a hell of a monologue it's it's beautiful it really is and i was thinking about how interesting it is that you know chandler seems to be really into that guy that character because he kind of appears in the big sleep also yeah an older general older yeah the the older guy who's who's you know kind of at the end and is trying to do the right thing and and somehow Marlo loves these characters and he's the same kind of person. Marlo just takes a liking to him, yeah. you know? Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Also Otto Kruger. I mean, the bad guy in this is show-stoppingly great to me. I love him. Can we, can we um, play? See, there, this is, a, are you, are, are you on a segue mood? Cause I have a thing we can go ahead and segue. Um, okay, so this is a little interchange that I love. It's just the audio. No, this is the this visual is the, clip. Yes. This is a little interchange between um, Dick Powell as Marlowe and the big baddie in this, who's this urbane, holistic doctor, creepy, weird guy who collects jade and is after the jade. Yeah. And, and we're, um, we're going to apologize to all of the people on the podcast for this. But here it is. Sorry if I've upset your theories about me, which I imagine are much more elaborate, but... Uh, My theory is pretty simple. It goes like this. Marriott was a blackmailer of women. It was good. Women liked him around. His interest in clothes and jewelry came easy. But he wasn't the whole works. Somebody told him which women to cultivate so he could load them up with ice, take them out dancing, then slip to the phone and tell the boys where to operate. And that is your picture of Marriott and me. I am slightly disgusted and very disappointed. <laughs> My favorite line in the movie. I laughed so hard. He is amazing. He's the template for like, for for all the Bond villains. He's the template. It's like that delivery. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. It's the same thing. You know and, what I noticed watching this clip is you've never seen Dick Powell and David Hiller in the same room at the same time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and then that reminded me of this clip I just like to play. Like this is this is how great this early version of it. Listen, this is from Robocop. Yeah, this is just an audio clip. Here we go. <laughs> this is the first thing I thought of. 
that line. <laughs> very disappointed. I'm slightly disgusted and very disappointed. Yeah. Another thing that, that I thought was really cool is I think that um, Rod Serling, the opening sequence to the Twilight Zone is a direct <laughs> steal from the drug sequence in this he, he might be right that drug you know this movie goes crazy there are there, <laughs> there there are things that happen in this movie including this drug sequence that you really surprise like really surprising the, the drug sequence where he's in space and going through the doors and they're going getting smaller and smaller and he's got to crouch down and get through the doors and they, they slip him a mickey in this movie that oh, is boy. the worst it's the worst it's I, it, what's amazing about it is that for a hero, they put him through hell in this movie. And his his experience more, of being morphine or heroin in the book, I think. They just call it a heavy narcotic episode in this movie. Yeah, but they're injecting him. And I think it's... Uh, I think it's got to be more than morphine. Because morphine would make you probably just feel good and then go right. to sleep. And I, th this was, I'm sure like lsd or uh, something yeah, they're really because he can't like he can't walk he can't and and like there's a good 10 minutes of the movie that just has him dealing with the after effects of being drugged by this whatever it is it's really messed up and those sequences are scary and and that was very like the twilight zone and i was surprised that they didn't put a busby berkeley dance <laughs> no it's like in, like they were just gonna start <laughs> yeah it right in there yeah just go, go, go to a high why, overhead why shot. Why am I dancing? A high overhead shot. Yeah. <laughs> everybody spinning around on the on the floor. Oh, you know who else I, I adored? <clears throat> Elijah Cook. Oh, who, you're talking about the big sleep now? Oh, in the oh, that's right. Sorry. I was I I moved from one movie to the other. I take it back. We're not oh, there yet. Elijah Cook is so great. He's fantastic. Uh, uh but uh you know what this is interesting talking about the difference between these things there 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 was here's where for me the only thing that i'd be like lacking in this movie and and, and, and you know and that's only because i have a preconception about what for me i really dig about noir so it the, you know the you know how the maltese falcon in the Maltese Falcon is like has even though it's a fake, <laughs> right? It has a it has a cast a spell over everybody, right? Right. It like this object and the and the fever to get it is an infection that that everybody gets, and there's something really, um, almost a horror. Like there's something almost like Lovecraftian about it in a way, like the way that greed works on the characters or people. What's interesting is that that's pretty much lacking in this movie completely. Um, and, and it's not that kind of noir to, to rely on mood and that kind of atmosphere. Cause the Jade, there's a similar thing. It's a necklace that everybody's looking for. That's priceless or worth like over a hundred thousand dollars back in 44. Right. And it's a special kind of Jade and it's talked about a lot and there's no sex appeal for it. It's got no, it's just money. Even to, even to the, the, you know, Amthor, the, the guy who's trying to get it, he, he just wants it because he's a collector, not because it has any special 
weird kind of power. Right. And that's mirrored by by Marlowe's the fact that Marlowe could keep the necklace. He could become a rich man at the end of this movie and hands it to the cops at the end. And he's like, you take, right. you deal with it. I don't want it. Yeah. He could take that Scott free. Yeah. It was given to him. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the cops couldn't take it as evidence or anything. Even it was like, fine. Yeah. It's all done. So uh, th- th- there, there's like, that's the difference. With, okay. There's both there's two different, two different, detectives because bogart's playing sam spade in the maltese falcon right but it's interesting how there's just an incredibly different energy behind the the sam spade character and the marlowe character and then the mike hammer character is also equally like different than than those two now i have to go watch maltese falcon again tomorrow you know it it's so good i would i think i may too i may do that too um you know, for a movie that uh, that isn't as stylishly made as The Big Sleep is, you know, um, they didn't quite they didn't have the budget. It doesn't have great action in it. This movie, it doesn't like have the throws and spills, the shootouts, the punch outs that they're not really right. great. Um the lighting is spectacular. It has some of the most arresting, weird imagery in it. It really does. And every shot looks like those old George Hurel headshots from that period of, yeah. you know, where it's it, it just every shot is is gorgeous. And there there's some lighting that I, I pulled of uh, this sequence of Anne Shirley in... Um, uh, let me make sure I'm pulling up the, the first, the right one first in the, in the nightclub when he meets Anne Shirley in the nightclub and uh, she's leaning forward at the table and we're looking at her. Uh, I want to see the, the whole picture. There we go. So this is what we see. And then she leans back. Mm-hmm. We get that. Mm-hmm instead of that yeah and i just i love that yeah the great use of shadows and 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 light um and you know again like not it's not a movie that's like i don't think overly picked apart in terms of how it's made but that's why i was surprised at you know that opening that 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 shot with Moose Malloy in the window and, and that great dissolve from the beginning from the water cooler, you know, into that next sequence. And then mm-hmm. um, the bandaged, the bandages on his face that the movie opens with him being interrogated by cops and his face is com- like his eyes and most of his head are bandaged completely. And we and have no idea why. No we idea why. What's going on. And it's, um, it's weird. It's got that kind of like, it's got that in those scenes, it's got that quality that, that, you know, uh, kiss me deadly had that kind of pop art, weird, modern quality to it. And, yeah. um, and it's because I think of Dick Powell and how like kind of, um, upbeat he is, you know, how kind of like a lounge, he's like kind of a lounge lizard, Marlo, yeah. you know, yeah. which is fine. It's, it's just that it, it surprises you how many really dark things happen in this movie because the leading man, is is kind of a light light hearted guy 
like for instance, like when he goes out to protect that um that guy uh, uh Miles Mander who plays no no not Miles Mander who is it Lindsay Marriott right who, who needs protection that night right he drives out in the middle of nowhere and he's going to be kind of his bodyguard for the night when he's got to make this drop and um he gets knocked unconscious and then he right. wakes up again and he's like in a daze and he's it's the middle of the night and the car's still there and he starts to narrate like he gets the and and Powell does great with the narration in this movie. Yeah. Great, great voiceover. And he, he comes upon the car and the dead body of the guy who he was trying to help. Great job, Marlowe. Like, he's just messing everything up. Yeah. And um, the guy's dead. And he describes the body. And he says, like, you realize what, what he says makes you realize the guy's been shot in the face. Like several times and he says the way he puts it about it was either an amateur or somebody trying to make it look like an amateur because nobody would you know that's the only reason someone would what does he say like it's a sap it, he it, he wasn't shot he was beaten in the head with a sap which is a, a lead filled sock okay so he was beaten till his face was just a oh because in the second movie the guy's shot three times in the face right and i don't know what the book is referring to i'll have to check the book but the fact that it's extremely violent it's extremely yeah. unnervingly violent and and it's just hit, like you expect bogey to confront something like that and deal with it but right. you don't expect dick powell to yeah the other thing that's kind of cool about powell doing this is that you realize how much courage that he has to have because he's not really that equipped for this. He doesn't no. seem like a tough guy. No. Whereas as, as Marlowe in, in the big sleep is, he's got that, that, you know, he can handle it all. Are, yeah. This guy looks like he's just like, well, I'll try it. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. For, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what can I tell you? I loved him. I loved him. Was this your favorite? Uh, your favorite of the of the noir bunch? This one? Yeah, no, that we've I, seen. I would. I'd still go with. Uh, I'd go with the Big Sleep over. Over. Well, this. we didn't do that officially, though. We didn't do it officially. Of the bunch oh. that we've seen. Yeah. Um. No, it, it, I. I would say it's between this and uh, and Mike Hammer. Okay. Kiss me deadly. Okay. Um you you know the movie I would really love to see? I would love to see Murder My Sweet with Ralph Meeker playing Philip Marlowe. <laughs> yeah. With that yeah. that with my with that Mike Hammer guy playing Philip yeah. Marlowe would be pretty great. I mean that's somebody I'd really want to hang out with. I get you, man. <laughs> I mean, I so in other words, we feel similarly. I mean, like I, I think it would, and I'm not even saying because I, I, Dick Powell made a case for this. Like I wasn't, an, I wasn't on board at first. I was like, wait a minute, what's this peppermint flavor in my <laughs> yeah. my chocolate yeah, chip? It's cookie? like I don't you know. know. It's like it's like I love tuna salad. Okay. Right. And I've made you some pretty great tuna. Well, you're a master of tuna salad. Yeah. You're, you know okay. more about tuna than tuna salad. Mom gets this tuna salad that has grapes in it. 
Okay. Which I'm sure it's great, but I think one of the things she most loves about it is that she can put a half a container of that. She can get a container of that and eat half of it and put the other half in the fridge. And she knows without a doubt that when she goes to the fridge the next day, it is still going to be there. there. She doesn't like it that much either, but she knows at least she'll have something to eat. I'm not going to. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to scarf down the rest of the tuna salad with the grapes in it. I agree. And, and that's what, that's the difference I would say between, between, um, whole between, grapes in the tuna uh, well, salad. They're sliced. They're sliced in half. Okay. So it's they're, still... yeah, they're basically whole grapes. Yeah. Um, so that's the difference between, um, <laughs> Dick Powell's, uh, Philip Marlowe and Bogie's Philip Marlowe. Yeah. Is Dick Powell's Philip Marlowe has some grapes, but you won't eat that at all. And if won't. it was a food, <laughs> this you enjoyed. I know. I mean, you have to come up with a better analogy because <laughs> I think the grapes are in the farewell, my lovely, that you couldn't even watch. Yeah, you no, know? I didn't think that was grapes. I thought that was. I thought farewell, my lovely, with Robert Mitchum was my kind of tuna salad. The one that I make that's really good, but it's been in the fridge for about 10 days. Okay. And then maybe left out in the sun. Okay. Move. Okay. <laughs> that's a bad meal. That's not a yeah. good sandwich. I it's- had a tuna salad sandwich at Smilers in 1983, fall of 1983, my second year of law school. I had a tuna salad sandwich at Smilers um, on, on, uh, Amsterdam, uh, around 66th Street, you know, Upper by the west side, Center. yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then lost it on the front steps of St. Paul's Church on Columbus and 60th. Well, that's what you take about, that St. Paul's Church later. So it, it was a tuna salad that had turned, but wow. I remember, you know, this is you know, this is 35, 36 years ago. I still remember this experience. You do not, those are indelible, they're the moments yeah. that they never go yeah. away. So that's that's how I felt about um, farewell, my lovely. Well, I have yet to. Uh, I don't think I feel that way about. Well, I do. I feel that way about some of the movies we've seen, but I didn't <laughs> feel that way about this one. I get, you know, part of me, I guess, like it's such a curiosity. I mean, it, you have to give it that. It is an yes. odd curiosity of a movie, and yeah. um, why I'm, do I make this? I I'm felt. always curious. I don't think they gave it a lot of money. I think they were just like, ah, let's see if, uh, whatever, try it out. And then they made another one. They made The Big Sleep two years later. The same team? It was was Mitchum. I don't know if it was Dick Richards. Um, Did you ever see, um, to redeem the, uh, this terrible vibe that we've got going about Mitchum, (laughs) Um, I'm a superstitious man. Uh, what, what have you seen? Um, the Yakuza, uh, I think I saw it long, long ago. Is that what we're watching next for next week? It might be an interesting palate cleanser for us, um, to get out of Noir Town and and now and to swing from branch to branch, like we've said, to go like swing over here, we might swing from Mitchum to another late period 70s Mitchum that's actually like I think really cool. All right. Um, so so we're so that's what we're going to see if we can do now is branch swinging. Like there was this in this movie mm-hmm. and let's 
grab that and swing to the next six person. six branches of Kevin Bacon. Six, yeah, okay, <laughs> absolutely. All right. So next week is going to be the Yakuza. All right. Um, um, I know that uh, you know we should just see. Let's just see if it's available for people if they want to. While you're checking to see if it's available, I just want to give a quick uh, shout out also to the in in the big sleep the long scene with with uh betty bacall in his office that goes on for what 37 minutes i you know play it's like a scene in a play i just need to say that i i had hung out with betty i hung out with lauren bacall and i i there aren't that many things in my life that I look back with and go like, you know, that was pretty cool. Like I know, and that's not saying I've, I've, I've been very fortunate and I've done a lot of cool things, but we've been around cool things. I've yeah. done nothing. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't done anything cool. I've just been around we, cool. We things. were next to cool things when they happened. Getting to hang out with her and actually get to talk to her, know her a little bit was yeah. honestly, I mean, I just can't believe that ever happened. She, she, she did a play with Amelia um and um she also worked with adam yeah didn't she what did they do together do you Uh, remember what they did i think she did a couple of episodes of uh chicago hope oh yeah you're right anyway or or go ho um just amazing amazing woman and um so i mean such movie star when she turned in her first shot in the big sleep she turns around and it's just like uh, you know, yeah. movie star. There's no movie. other way you can express this. It's just insane. Yeah. No, it's like it's like Audrey Hepburn in in Roman Holiday. You see, yeah. You're just like I, 18, and this was their first movie. It's not possible. Just forget it. It's craziness. Um, All right. So it is available. The Yakuza. The Yakuza is available on on Amazon, uh, and uh, and oh. it's available uh, in my apartment because I also have it. Okay. On, a, on a disc format. Okay, so I'm going to be getting it on Amazon and watching it, and we're going to talk about that next week. Um, so tell your friends about this podcast because mm-hmm. it's fun. I listen to it. I you, listen Matthew to it. can attest you, to these it. Guys, these guys are fun. He's not just on the show. He's a fan of the show. <laughs> I'm not just on it. I'm the fan. I'm the fan. (laughs) Uh, We have, we have an Instagram account. You can follow us there and new shows were announced there um, for sure. Uh, Also on Facebook, but I'm an Instagram guy. So yeah. And Anthony puts up very funny graphics on the, on the Instagram. I, well, I try to, I do try to do some sly things when people aren't looking. Um, Um, and maybe so, we'll get, you know, I'm hoping that uh, Adam was on a hiatus soon and we can get, I'd love to well, hear how things went on his show. Maybe he can come on the show and tell us how things are in, 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 uh, in, in show fan, business. In fancy land. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. And we will um, probably see you next week. Yakuza time. Great. Good night. Good night. Good night.
You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. 